it's been a while since you put me on the shelf. I know you've been distracted by somebody else. It's been a while, but that's all right, you see. And I'll be right here waiting when you want to play again with me. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the latest episode of Cult of the Old. I'm Ian McAllister, and I'm joined as ever by Nate Owens and Matt Thrower. How are you doing, gents? I'm good. I did today. This is the, this is the last one as well. You know, this yeah, is the, the last one. one of the season. Of the, this is yeah. the big dance right here. Yeah, I better make it good. It's, it's, and it's going to be a big one for Nate. Nate. Nate loves the game we're going to be talking about. So what do we do here at Cult of the Old? Well, each episode, I and my fellow hosts are going to dive into the tabletop gaming past. We're going to turn back the release schedule at least 10 years to look at games that were setting tables ablaze in the dim and distant past of a whole decade ago. Over the course of this season, the games we're going to cover will still be available to play, either because they have become evergreen titles, that is, they are always available at retail, or they are accessible through illegal digital means like Board Game Arena. And for our last game this season, and our second sci-fi themed one, we delve deep into tabletop gaming's past, deeper than we maybe have before. This game has been around since the late 70s, confounding players with its mix of party game sensibilities and strategy game mechanisms. Taking on the role of one of many alien races the game features, players negotiate, betray, destroy, and rebuild in this most cosmic of encounters. So who wants to give me a breakdown of Cosmic Encounter then? Wait, isn't it Twilight Imperium? <laughs> <laughs> this seems like uh, the part I was born to play, Ian. Uh, yeah. This is, this is literally why you were put on this earth, this, this cast <laughs> right what, now. It's, the whole reason I wanted to do this podcast now. is this episode right here. has been leading to this moment. That's exactly yeah. right. Don't mess it up. <laughs> no, no pressure at all there i could do this i was born for this okay hold on let me, let me get a timer for you okay in cosmic encounter everyone plays a specific alien race and you have a system of planets and uh the shortest version of what's happening is that you are uh, on your turn having an encounter quote unquote with another player in that encounter you're probably going to fight them but you don't have to you can negotiate you can uh, come to some kind of agreement um, or some other thing might happen. Uh, there's a lot of card play. It almost has this feel of, uh, of a bluffing game. You commit ships to be able to uh, go into the encounter the other player. Other people can come help you as allies. And then on top of all of this, the card play, the, uh, the alliances and things like that, there's this layer of uh, special powers based on who your alien race is. It makes the game highly variable and endlessly replayable. Awesome. 10 cents to go. Pretty good. And only Very pretty good. good. Only pretty good. That's, that's the... <laughs> <laughs> good enough. Good enough's all I need, Matt. I mean, I mean, that, that, was, that, that, that was the highlight of your life. And I, I that just, was it right pretty, there. That's pretty good. That's, that's <laughs> Anyway, so a little history of the game. Now, it might be actually quicker to say who hasn't published Cosmic Encounter, but let's go through yeah. it a little bit. Uh, the original designers were Bill Eberl, Jack Kittredge, Bill Norton, and Peter Alotka. Now, it was originally released in 1977 by Eon, and then a new edition was published in 1986 through Games Workshop West End, and West End Games. There was another edition in 1991 through Mayfair Games. 
another edition in 2000 from Avalon Hill. And the edition that probably most of you know is the 2008 Fantasy Flight Games version. And in that version, Kevin Wilson is added as a designer to the credits. Artists, honestly, too many to mention over the various editions of the game. If you just go and put in Cosmic Encounter into Board Game Geek, and although the three of us here aren't great fans of Board Game Geek, it is a good resource for information. You can look at all the different versions and all the artists in there. Uh, like John Blanche was one of the, the early ones, who's an early Games Workshop artist as well, for instance. Uh, so yeah, the current publisher is Fancy Flight Games. It hasn't won much in the way of awards over the years, though it was inducted into the Origins Academy of Adventure Gaming Arts and Design Adventure Gaming Hall of Fame in 1997. It's had a lot of expansions. Huh. I'm not going to go through all of them. To be honest, because there's a lot of them. There is a lot of them. Are there any expansions you would recommend, Nate, while we're while oh we're on for like the the way it's released? Well, well it like depends on yeah, it actually depends on which uh, edition you're talking about. And truthfully, well, let's, assume, the, let's assume the current edition that's currently available. Well, if you're just going the current version. edition, just doing the version with uh, for Fantasy Flight games, my favorite ones, uh, Cosmic Incursion is a lot of fun. And then some of the later ones, uh, Cosmic Dominions and Cosmic Eons. I, I really like those as well. Uh, there's actually a new one over the last year or so that I've not had a chance to play yet. That's uh, Cosmic uh odyssey cosmic odyssey that's what oh, it's that's called. one that induces the sort of campaign kind of thing doesn't it, it in, it's it's sort of a kitchen sink expansion it brings in a lot of elements that were originally designed for the first game and in fact when you talk about cosmic encounter with people who are big fans usually the additions that people like are the ones that got a lot of expansions which includes eon uh which eon is with the original publishers they published nine expansions for it uh, Mayfair Games published something called More Cosmic Encounter, which was just doubling the amount of content in the game. And then Fantasy Flight has published like seven or eight expansions of their own. And so those are the no, three I, that I, everyone... I like the bluntness of the Mayfair Games one. Just like, did you want More Cosmic Encounter? Well, yeah. you can buy yeah. More Cosmic <laughs> I, Encounter. I, I've played all three of those versions, and the uh, Mayfair Games one is is quite good. It tried to do some new things and uh, changed some other things, but it's all... You, everyone who loves this game, one of those three versions is their favorite. Unless cool. someone's weird and just likes the West End Games version for some reason. Yeah, weirdos. Yeah. Nate, Nate thinks you're weird. Apparently. No one's going to disagree with me. <laughs> As someone who played it, played it a fair amount, I'm just going to support uh, my my personal favorite is Dominion because um, I really like the hazards, the rewards deck. Uh, that's that's really good fun. Um, and actually, the nice thing about Dominion is it doubles the rewards deck because the rewards deck was in Cosmic Incursion, and then it came out with like rewards deck part two in dominion and you can combine them into a big old fat rewards deck. Uh, there's something uh, in that there's something in the dominion then that maybe because i'm i'm just I've, I've got this stuff like listed um and uh my my thoughts on it uh there's obviously something in dominion that maybe think it was dominion was the it was the fan-made expansion yeah. it was fan submitted powers yes uh, oh and Eons, Cosmic Eons, was notable because that was the first published work from the original designers since like the early 1980s. So that was a wow. big deal as well. Oh, so Fantasy Flight Games brought those designers back to, to do a uh, sort of themed expansion around, around their ideas. Yeah. 
basically revisiting stuff or the, the, the problem with dominions and eons and boy, we're really getting in the weeds already. This is a bad sign, <laughs> but the problem with those expansions, if you want to call it a problem is the powers tend to be a little more uh, elaborate and a little more detailed, which is fine. They have some really cool effects, but if you're just starting out, incursion is the most obvious starting point. Probably also worth mentioning that Fantasy Flight, there's actually two editions of Fantasy Flight because they, they bought out a 42nd anniversary edition huh. that has transparent yeah. plastic spaceships and one extra alien power. Oh yeah, that's right, the demon. Wow. How did we all first come across the game, gents? For, for myself, uh, as I've mentioned several times across the course of this season, uh, I, I have a quite large local gaming uh, local gaming group so i'm I'm usually catering for five or six people so that's why cosmic attracted me when i first picked it up we bounced off it really really hard i think i got it to the table once and then it was like nope this is not for us at all and then it just got sold on and i hadn't played it until we played it for this cast and i actually had a really good time playing it with uh, with nate and some others from their old games but yeah that, that's how i first came across it it was a, it was a bad experience and i bounced off it real hard <laughs> That was it. Yeah, my story is uh, quite similar, to be honest, because uh, I, as I mentioned in the previous episode, have been a Dungeons & Dragons player for a long time. Back in the 80s, when I was a, a young teenager, I used to read White Dwarf magazine, and of course, Games Workshop then bought out this edition of Cosmic Encounter, which which I read about, you know, and the, the history of this goes back to the late 70s, um, and it, it's, it's really famous. It was really famous even then. So when they bought out this edition, I bought it, you know, I picked it up or, or asked for it as a gift. I can't remember now how I got it at the age of 13. Um, really excited, got my usual D&D group round to play it, um, and we thought it was hot garbage. Um, and uh, we really just didn't know what we were doing with this game at all. It is, it is. We were expecting like a really traditional sort of like Risk-style conquest game, but with aliens, and it's nothing like that at all, as I'm sure we'll discuss later. Um, so I just had this idea that it was that it was rubbish, and it was just something that people, you know, had this dedicated fan community like a like a cult game. Um, and then I didn't play it again until years later uh, when FFG put its edition out, and and it was something I thought I ought to get and review. Uh, and I, as an adult, I think I appreciated all the cool stuff about it that I completely missed um, as a teenager. Uh, and my gaming group of I, you know, we, we've had a good, good dozen or so plays of this since. I mean, nothing like Nate's uh, Nate's history with it, which I'm sure you're going to tell us about. But yeah, we've certainly had a good time with it. Uh, I was introduced to Cosmic Encounter through, uh, we mentioned on our Citadels episode, Bruno Fiduti's uh, dearly departed ideal game library. And uh, Cosmic Encounter is his favorite game. And he wrote about it in the, what is it, the game, the 100 best hobby games book. This came out in like 2007, 2006. But he wrote about it in that book because it was a huge influence on him. And I, so I, I knew who he was and I thought, oh, this game sounds really neat. And it was at the time out of print. Uh, the only copies out there were basically the 2000 Avalon Hill version. Avalon Hill being a subsidiary of Wizards of the Coast at that time, still is. And that version didn't get any expansions. It was four players only, a pretty stripped down version. A very nice production, but not generally very well regarded. And so there was no way for me to play it. And so when the Fantasy Flight version uh, came out maybe 18 months later. I bought a copy of it right away because I was like, this is the one. This is supposed to be great. And I played it for a long time, enjoying it, but never quite. it never quite hit that point of 
oh, this is it. I get it now until I had an opportunity to play it. Um, I played several, like three or four games in a row with my sister and her husband and then with my wife as well. And that, that was kind of a revelatory experience. And it's, it's been basically my favorite ever since then. So Cosmic is, is one of those games that I kept hearing about when I was, when I was getting into sort of criticism and, and looking at board games from a sort of viewer standpoint. It's, it's one of those games that is like cited by a lot of reviewers, like one of the best games ever, that, that, that kind of thing. But what were the influences on Cosmic Encounter? Like how, how do you think Cosmic Encounter came to be? I, I've had a couple times the opportunity to actually interact with Peter Alotka. Um, I did an interview with him for There Will Be Games a few years ago. And then I also participated uh, in a podcast, another podcast. Of, this was years and years ago, probably 2015 or so, with him and with, uh, I believe it was Bill Eberly. It might have been Jack Kittredge. I don't remember. It was one of the other designers. And I had the chance to just kind of talk with them a little bit and they were really clear that they were looking, they'd played a lot of stuff like diplomacy and risk, really common games of that type. And uh, cosmic encounter was kind of designed as sort of a response to games like that. They wanted something that would give them some of that interaction in the deal making, but that wouldn't uh, take so long that wouldn't eliminate people. Those were design goals that they had going in. And Peter Alotka has actually shared, this is particularly quite interesting. They wanted something that would appeal to women more, which is a, a pretty, Ooh. a pretty fascinating thing. And I, when he kind of explained what he was getting at, I was like, Oh yeah, I never thought of it. Uh, I never thought of it like that. And in fact, I've had, I, I've had some really good experiences in very mixed groups with this game and some really interesting deal making that happens as a result. Especially in that, in that, that period of game design that's an interesting consideration to be thinking of because you'd think like at that time certainly at that time and unfortunately still kind of now a lot of games are designed around the demographic is mostly male yeah and well and especially games where conflict is a key part of it yeah um but but actually and this is one of the things that uh Peter pointed out to me, he said that they, that it's called cosmic encounter for a reason. Like the whole idea is when the two alien races meet in a game of cosmic encounter, and this happens, I didn't explain this in my explanation, but you draw a card from a, the destiny deck and it basically says who you're encountering this turn. Yeah. And I think it's tempting for players who are really steeped in conflict gaming to view it as like, okay, we're going to fight. That's the default thing. But he wanted to create, they wanted to create a system, I should say all four of them, wanted to create a game where fighting didn't have to be the default. Where if people wanted to, they could just have an encounter, swap colonies, or make a deal, and then move on with their lives. And that's considered successful in the in this, uh, way the game functions. The fact that you can share a win. It's possible for multiple people to win at once. Some people really hate that about Cosmic Encounter, but that was a key part of what they were building into it because it's, it was really important to them that people could, if they want to share, they can share. Yeah, very cool. This sort of a, a slight side question. Do you think it's been successful in being in a game that appeals to a wide demographic? I mean, I don't, I, I don't have much experience of playing it, so I can't really speak to it. Personally, I wouldn't. And I don't think it's got anything to do with... with um... The demographics, I suppose, it's more a case of Cosmic Encounter belongs to that very, very, very large family of games that look fairly straightforward on the outside to gamers and aren't at all when you get into them. 
Um, Cosmic Encounter is a double whammy because, first of all, the the structure of it is very unfamiliar to people. One of the reasons, you know, you were just mentioning the encounter deck there, Nate. One of the things that I really hated about this game the first time I played it was the encounter deck because it's like, what what is this game? What is this kind of conflict game where you can't even choose who you're going to fight, you know, or make a deal with, you know, as, as as you point out? And that just... It's like, what what on earth do we do with this? And so it seems very unfamiliar to people who aren't pretty steeped in board games already and are, are willing to give these weird ideas a try. Uh, and the other thing you've got, of course, is the alien powers, which add a lot of complexity. And, you know, each has its own rules. And then as gamers, we're used to analysing, if you like, the way that those powers are likely to interact with those that other people at the table have. Um, but that is not the default approach that a lot of people bring to games so i've had trouble teaching this i must say it's a game you know you mentioned it ian at the beginning of the introduction it was a party game i have bought it to party-like environments and it's gone down like a lead brick or lead balloon (laughs) i should say um and it is it is a gamer's game and other than that yeah it does seem to be quite widely appealing within within that demographic but it's not as approachable i think as some people might like to paint it yeah, I, I would say that's probably a fair assessment. There's, it, it's just, it, it's a weird game for everybody, even for gamers. It's, a, it's a weird game. Yeah, the, the the structure is is really unorthodox, and and it is, you know, especially that thing, especially, I think especially that thing where it takes your ability to challenge, like 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 Matt says there, like that that yeah. it takes that choice away from you. Which is really, which is which is really strange it's such a, yeah, yeah it, it's such an open game. Besides that, yeah. Like there's so there's so much opportunity to do really strange, uh, unexpected combinations and decisions and plans that having that taken away from you. But again, that's part of that goal of making something that was approachable. They didn't want you to be able to pick on somebody, yeah. which is actually really hard to pull off in this game. They also yeah. don't want you to like the the alliances. This is a difference. The same team designed Dune. Uh, Avalon Hills Dune, which was their next game. Oh, okay. And uh, you see that that Dune is basically Cosmic Encounter Advance. But I think what really changes Dune is the fact that alliances are far more durable and far more long term, and in a game that can go as long as five or six hours, probably if it if it goes the distance. Uh, Cosmic Encounter is like an hour and a half long game, and alliances change every time. You can't hold a grudge because you have to work with someone later on. And yeah. uh, that kind of stuff is that's really different. As far as the accessibility goes, I would say it is it's definitely a second tier game in terms of turn at best in terms of accessibility. It's never going to be like a ticket to ride or uh, something like that. It's just it's just too weird. But if you go to that second tier, like the next step kind of games, I've had a lot more success than you'd think. Uh, but I think part of that is also I'm very experienced in teaching it. I've taught it a ton. And sure. I've just kind of been able to fine-tune when something should be explained up front and when it can be explained down the road. And so I'm probably not a very... Matt's, Matt's, Matt's uh, opinion here is probably more uh, representative of most people's experience. I feel I need to add that you absolutely can hold a grudge if you are playing the alien race, The Grudge. <laughs> it's true. Well, it's literally true. in the name. <laughs> so, I mean, I, I picked up much later when it came out. I mean, I, I only really have, I've only ever really known the Fantasy Flight Games version of Cosmic Encounter. 
what was the impact of the at the time when you guys first encountered it? When hey, encountered it. Hey, hmm. there it is. Uh, what, what, what was what was the impact? I'm ashamed I didn't come up with that. I really. Am. <laughs> <laughs> so, what, when you when you first came across Cosmic Encounter, like, what was that? What was the impact of it on the hobby at the time you encountered it? And what edition was it that you started playing it with? I well, like I mentioned earlier, the Fantasy Flight version was my first exposure, and the hmm. Fantasy Flight edition, it's the it's um. I wouldn't say this, certainly not for the original Eon version, which I have a, I have a copy of that. I, you could, if you were just kind of curious about Cosmic Encounter, you could just buy the base Fantasy Flight version, and that's a lot of content. It's got There's 50 alien powers. Yeah. It has a lot of stuff, um, special cards called Flares. Flares were a, a, an expansion in the original game, but they're included in the base game here. It's got five players which you want at least four people. Five is great. I like six as well. More than that, it gets really crazy, which I like, but isn't for everybody. But the Fantasy Flight base game is really, really solid. I I would say it was more just, I think the response at the time was like, oh good, this is back in print. It It had a lot of major people who were really into it. Like Tom Vassell is a big fan of Cosmic Encounter, and so he was quite excited about it. It got a lot of press from his channel. Those of us who are old timers in board game criticism will remember Scott Nicholson, Board Games with Scott. He did an episode on this as well. That was one th- one thing I looked at. Like if I when I was thinking, okay, do I really want to buy this? Big deal for him. Uh, Bruno Faduti, of course, posted on his site. So there was a lot of a, a lot of big players in the in the hobby who were saying, hey, this is a big deal. Uh, I certainly feel like by this time the game has kind of found an audience it was never able to find in the 70s and 80s. Like it's it's much less niche now than it used to be 40 years ago. It's, it's, it is really quite a hard question to answer this because Cosmic Encounter, I mean, I wasn't a gamer in the 70s when it came out. Obviously, I was four. and the But it revolutionized. It really did revolutionize gaming. I mean, people people still talk about it. I was thinking about this earlier and i'm you know i i've been playing games for like 30 40 years and i still don't think there's anything quite like cosmic encounter it's still unique and odd and and fun and weird um so and when i first came across it with the games workup shop edition as i mentioned in the intro um it was already like a really rarefied thing people oh yeah wow cosmic encounter it, it had this this huge uh, well perhaps not huge <laughs> given this was the 80s but um uh, enthusiastic cult following of people who just love cosmic encounter and it's gone on to to influence all sorts of things, uh, and and it has this huge fan base. The, the the trouble that I had with it is that I think I've only ever played those two versions: the the Games Workshop edition, which was which was a licensed version of the West End Games version, uh, and the Fantasy Flight version. And I don't think the that nineteen eighty six version is very good, uh, or at least I should say it's probably the the, the worst. Uh, of of the editions that's been made, so yeah, it's not um, it's not very well regarded as a rule. No, so I think in terms of the impact at the time, actually, it probably dented Cosmic's reputation quite badly. Okay, you know, it was anticipated getting a re-release. Uh, it turned out to be a bit of a damp squib, as it turned out. Obviously, turned some people, including me, off the game. Um, and then there was a, an early '90s, I think, edition, wasn't there, that came out? Yeah, Mayfair, that was the Mayfair version, uh, yep. which was which I didn't play, but which which got things back on track again. So yeah, but it, it is just this monolith. If you're in gaming for any length of time, even now, it, it, you you can't escape 
and the cult of Cosmic Encounter. You you will meet somebody uh, whose favorite game it is before too long. I, I I would actually say if we were to say like the the four or five biggest games in tabletop gaming history, and I mean across different types of tabletop games, I think Cosmic Encounter is on that list, along with stuff like Dungeons and Dragons, Magic the Gathering, and Settlers of Catan. I mean, it's it's every bit as impactful as those those games uh, were. Something like a choir would be there as well. You know, just games that are really that that really you can point to. It's like a what's that they say about things yeah yeah what that's uh what rock musicians have said about the velvet underground when the first velvet underground album came out only like ten thousand people bought the album but every one of those people started their own band (laughs) (laughs) and it's a it's a little bit like that kind of thing of those games i listed it's easily the least successful of those four in terms of raw numbers yeah, I mean, uh, one one of the things I found out while researching information for this episode, I was going to mention this a little later on, but it seems like worthwhile mentioning now, is that Richard Garfield, who's the designer of Magic the Gathering, uh, is quoted as saying, Magic's most influential ancestor is a game for which I have no end of respect, Cosmic Encounter. It's also a, Magic, uh, Magic is like yeah. the biggest game. Yeah, biggest it was also a big impact on, on Tom Jolly when Tom Jolly created Wiz War, which is a very right. fun game. Um, and you yeah, see, I can, I can, I can see sport. the influence there actually. Yeah, thinking about it. Yeah, yeah. So, and let's not forget also um, these four designers who had like a, a design collective name called Future Pastimes. These four guys they published more games as Eon, and um, and they designed the Avalon Hill Dune game, which is now back in print wonderfully yeah that's a that's a great thing that game should be in print and it has the little miniature version of dune that i personally really like and some people really don't um but they're getting oh, they the, a game yeah called, the sort of squished down version i'm i yeah. have to say i played that once it it felt like it was lacking something to me i haven't played the original but there was just something missing i don't know what i've only played well, it once it's, it's it's for a very specific thing that it recreates and it's not yeah. the big diplomacy side of the original Just, game. I, I think I think what is missing compared with the original is about four and a half hours of playtime. <laughs> <laughs> There's a reason I have that one and not the old one anymore, and that's the big reason. Uh, but they designed another game called Borderlands, uh, not related to the video game franchise, but it was like a post-apocalyptic kind of more of a straightforward diplomacy style game that's been now reprinted a couple times in various forms. Several years ago, it was a Fantasy Flight reprint called Gear Worlds colon borderlands uh which didn't do very well that's a much less accessible game it's much more straightforward diplomacy style and then i think it actually got a reprint in the dune universe since the movie since the dune movies come out there's like a, a re another reimagined version um yep. so they they, they, yep. they cast a very long shadow even outside of cosmic encounter between cosmic encounter and dune those are two really like huge meteor strike games and of course, they basically, as, as we understand the concept of expansions, they basically invented that. If not the first ones to do it, they were at least the first ones to, they, they were the ones to codify what that looks like. So expansions are like a much bigger feature of modern hobby board games. It's quite a common thing, especially especially from my own point of view, where I'm looking to play with five or six players a lot of the time. Most of the time that involves me buying a base set and an expansion for, for the majority of games, because that is just how it is. Do you think these games sort of codified that into how games are released? Like the expansion model came from them? 
Personally, no. I mean, I think that's just raw economics, to be honest. One of the fun things about Cosmic, I think I'm right, correct me if I'm wrong here, Nate, but I believe expandability was another thing they designed into it. Mm-hmm. Aeon. That was something they were looking for. And you can really see it because um, while we've already talked about how much fun there is in some of the Cosmic Encounter expansions, none of them are necessary. All of them, a lot of them, are, the, the focus on them is expanding that already massive deck of alien powers. Because So, so the, the fact that everyone gets this alien power means the game is infinitely expandable, essentially. Um, without any extra rules. I know the expansions do mostly add extra rules as well, but the fact is that, that you can do that. You know, you can just keep on adding more and more alien powers and the game gets more and more varied and more and more crazed um, without adding any extra complexity. And you also don't need any of those expansions at all. They may or may not play a part in your game depending on what aliens get dealt. And that is nothing like the model that most modern expansions use, which is that they do... Uh, add boards, add complexity, add, you know, a very different... In some extreme cases, they make the game feel quite different. And they are there to uh, sell copies. You know, they they are largely an economic concern. I I think, you know, you can see this more and more. I was talking about this with a friend of mine just last night about how many games essentially have been ruined by an an endless trail of expansions that just keep getting thrown at them. Uh, and Cosmic yeah. Encounter is like that. And it's great that it isn't like that. It's wonderful. And it's it's fantastic that you can go out and buy a core box and have a wonderful time with that and, and never even want or need to look at one of the expansions. Yeah, I would say if we look at a game that really codified how modern expansions work, I would say Dominion. Yeah, we've mentioned that before. Yeah, and we've we've talked about that. And so, but Cosmic Encounter was designed with them in mind. And in fact, the game, again, from my interview with Peter, the... Uh, they had submitted this to Parker Brothers, the American board game company. And there's even a uh, there's a picture floating around the Internet of their original prototype. And it looks insane. It looks like a science experiment. Like <laughs> it's just got all these big 3D, like chunky things like around. In the, but it's got the recognizable hexagonal boards, which is what the original game was built from. But they when they decided to self-publish it, which they were the creators of Eon Publishing, they decided, well, let's just make the original box the the most straightforward version of the game and which is what they did and then if you bought any expansion and i have it right here there was a little order form right there and you could say you could send them in and send them your credit card oh, info amazing. or some cash and they could say like okay here's all the thing and by the way if you want to buy a copy of uh borderlands you can do that if you want to buy a cosmic encounter t-shirt you can do that <laughs> And it's just, it's, it's really cool. It was very much a cottage, like their own little private business in, in, in a way that was really different from how say Avalon Hill ran it, the old yeah. Avalon Hill or, uh, uh, is it, uh, SPI, the, the ones who did is, am I thinking, is that right? The other, the other big war game company at the time, there were not, they were true, true indie board game designers at a time when that just was not a thing. So, I mean, we've touched on our sort of like our own impressions of the game a little bit. So let's actually sort of start talking about how we how we find the game. I mean, so I, I played it with Nate. Uh, unfortunately, Matt couldn't make our play and a few of the There Will Be Games folks recently to get a, just to get a better handle on it so I could actually talk about it on the cast. And I really enjoyed my play of it, despite being persuaded by Eric <laughs> to basically lose the game. But that, it was fine. 
You see, you see that yeah. laughter? You hear that laughter? That right there is Cosmic <laughs> Encounter, right? Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's the game in a nutshell. He he is a giant brain. He was playing a giant brain in space and persuaded me, whose height is called the giant brain, to do something extremely stupid and lost us all the game. Yeah, it, it was really funny. He totally outsmarted himself. Like he thought he had created he was playing 4d chess and he just had failed to pay attention to a very basic thing yeah. <laughs> and it was like oh well by the way you just lost it was like what oh oh no it was it was good yeah it was funny so so like the way cosmic feels to me is like a sort of like a bit more complicated party game i i, I kind of know that it's not that but that's how it kind of feels to me it's got that sort of like that slight chaos kind of thing to it and that's like sort of like that, that sort of those funny sort of interactions that you get from party games. Now, I have a confession to make. I don't like a lot of modern party games where the core of it is basically you do a thing and we all judge how good that thing is, and then someone gets some points. I can play them for a bit. Like I have Scrawl in my collection, which is effectively a telephone via Pictionary, and that's fine. But a lot of modern party games I find to be basically that let's all judge a thing. And I can do it for about half an hour to an hour, and then I get bored, and I just I can't be bothered. But I can see Cosmic's appeal in that way. Like, yeah, it's it's a bit more complicated than like a regular party game, for sure. Like, there's definitely more to it than that. But I, I it's it's like my play of it with Nate and the, the folks from There Will Be Games has has made me think about like getting it again and trying it out on my group again basically so i'll be i'll be absolutely looking for a copy i basically prefer to have a little bit more meat a little bit more game in my party games like i've got a uh, medium in my in my collection don't know if you guys have played that so like a game, it's a game where you're basically effectively you're given like a subject and you have to sort of like both guess a word that would be around the, that subject but like without like discussing it at all it's meant to be sort of psychic effectively and there's just a little bit more game to it. There's a, few, there's a couple of a few mechanics in there that make it a little bit more gamey than just like let's all vote on which is the best guess kind of thing. There's just a little bit more to it, and I kind of like that in my party game. It's just a little bit more me, and Cosmic kind of has that appeal for me. I think so. Yeah, I'm, I am actually thinking about picking up a copy again, despite bouncing off it many, many moons ago. The play I had on on Tabletop Simulator with Nate and others was was great, and yeah, has made me think about it again. So yeah, I'll probably pick it up again. <laughs> so this cast has cost me money. Great. Fantastic. <laughs> so I, I'm actually I'm actually really sad that I missed that game uh, with Ian and Nate and the other guys. Um, because I have been we said this we've been playing games for like nearly forty years. Uh, and I've considered myself a a, a, a a serious critic of them for like over a decade. And I still haven't quite decided what I think about Cosmic Encounter. <laughs> After all this, I'm still not quite sure what I make of Cosmic Encounter. I've had some great times with Cosmic Encounter. Um I've got games in my collection, which I'm still not sure about. <laughs> <laughs> well, so I, I own a copy of Cosmic Encounter, and, I, and I, we've played it played it a good few times, um, as as I mentioned earlier. But I, I I still, it is still quite unlike anything else. And the reason I wanted yeah. to get this because I've always wanted to play with somebody like one of those hardcore fans that we talked. You know, it has this cult following because I wanted to see how somebody like that played the game. Because I'm still not sure I'm playing it. For best effect, I'm playing it by the rules. You know that I'm not. Don't mean that, but in in terms of how do you approach this this weird box of tricks that you've got here? 
to get the maximum entertainment value out of it. I, I will tell you a confession, right, which is um, it gives you some insight into, into my confusion around this game. The Fantasy Flight Edition has this really cool um, aspect that, that isn't in any other edition. It codes the alien powers. Um, it gives them, gives them uh, green, yellow, and red ratings, depending on how difficult it is to play or how confusing, awkward, bizarre that power is, you know, in terms of introducing it in the game. Sure. Over a dozen times I've played it. I've still never dared graduate from green because because I'm really not sure what some of those those high-level powers are going to do to the game. I, I, I'm still treating it as like, you know, almost with kid gloves. And it comes back, in actual, I, I have to mention this, it comes back to the, the very first game I played all that time ago, the, the game's Worship Virus, we had the virus in it. Now, the virus is an alien power which is extremely powerful in combat. It's, um, it multiplies the number of pawns rather than adding them together, which obviously you, you can imagine mathematically makes it extremely hard to beat. Um, and we had no idea what to do with this, and it just obliterated the game the first time we played it, and it's one of the number of reasons why we had such a difficult time with it and, and ran away from it and never played it again. It's red. I think the virus is red in the Fancy Flight edition. But, you know, it, it's just got that what do I do with this sense about it, which is both really wonderful and also kind of intimidating, especially given that you know that it's such a, such a milestone game, such a game that's so beloved by so many people, which does kind of make it, make it awkward to, to know what to make of it, really. Yeah, it's, it, 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 for me, like... I think we'll come to this after Nate's given us his critical impressions. I want to like talk about this a little bit more, but Cosmic is so big in sort of board game criticism. Like so many big board game critics love it so much, and it's such a uh, an iconic game that it feels like it feels like if you're a film critic and you hate a film that everybody else loves, it's that kind of thing. It's such a big sort of like cultural juggernaut, which my co-host Jamie on, on the Brain Moves podcast loves using as a phrase. It is, but it is a cultural juggernaut within our particular hobby. That It feels like if you go, maybe it's not very good that you're like a pariah <laughs> amongst the hobby. Uh, and, and yeah, and it's, and it, like, like you say, Matt, there's loads of reasons you might bounce off it. Even the, like, if you play it once and the particular combination of alien powers is just a bit weird and hard to understand, that might just, that might just be it for you. Whereas, like, I, I, I think I played the Parasite in our game, and that's yeah. very straightforward to understand. I can basically just go in on either side of a conflict. And that's quite good. That seems quite good, considering there's restrictions on that. But, like, something more complicated, you're just like, well, what do I do with this? I don't know. Yeah. yeah. There's a. I'm sorry, Matt. You go ahead because I'm sure I'll have a lot to say. So no, I, I was. I was only going to just check in there and say that I, I wanted to draw a contrast and just point out, just re reinforce that it isn't just the complexity. The virus is a very simple power. You just multiply it rather than adding, but it throws games completely off kilter because it's so powerful. Yeah. And it is. It is down to the other players to handle that. You know, that's handed to them that ability. You somehow got to band together and, and come up with a way to keep this thing in its box. Um, and that is just really quite confusing to hand to people for the first time. It's not just complexity yeah. in the way that it, it the, the it makes the game state very complex, not just with rules. That's what I want to say. Go, Nate. Go. Have have your yeah. <laughs> I've got I've got I've got a question for Nate as our as our cosmic encounter like expert. But I want to hear his critical impressions first, and then I'll come so back to it. You you ha I think there's just nothing else like cosmic encounter. I, I I think the the longer I've been in this hobby, the more I the more my heart has been drawn 
to this game. And I say, I say my heart in a way that the game speaks to me on like a personal level. I think it's, you know, and, and I, that sounds so hyperbolic and I will sound hyperbolic when I talk about this game because That's it's right. there's like, there's like we pour emotion into the things we love. Right. Yeah. And I, sure. I, I think that this one so often when you have a, a game that deals in soft skills, not in, not in being able to analyze things, not in being able to work efficiently or to be able to organize things, but that makes you watch like um, that makes you deal in strategy in the realm of the uncertain that uh, really embraces like this, this chaotic core because the game has a really frivolous, chaotic goofball atmosphere that if you just can't get into that, it's probably just not going to be your thing. But it uses those things in a way that is still a strategy game. And that to me, that, like, that's, that's really special. And I can't think of another game that really uses, a, that, that creates a fairly complex strategic core around that kind of thing. It is such, it's an enormously generous game, by which I mean the, the variation in the different situations, I've, I, I don't track my plays, so I can't say for sure. I've probably played Cosmic Encounter at least a hundred times. And I, there wow. still are situations that just really shock me that I've just, I've never seen that happen before. And I tell people ask me like, well, should I be doing this? And I'm like, I don't know, maybe <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, there's not a, there's not a, there's not one answer. There's not one strategic answer for if you, if you should do something. I, I will say the game really becomes it opens up, it becomes something really uh, amazing. I think when you play it a lot with this, it, it's best with friends, people you know well. It's not a whole lot of fun to play with randos at a convention. You should play with people you know well that you know socially and have rapport with. And it helps to play several games in a row. You can treat it like poker night. I don't know if this is a thing people do in the UK, but in the US, that's pretty common. Uh, people will get together, we'll play poker for four or five hours. I've done that with Cosmic Encounter. Like, I just want to have people over, we're going to play this tonight. And game three is better than game one and two. Like, just because you, you've seen more things happen and you begin to see, like, there's patterns that emerge and... Um, when the game does throw something at you, because I, I, th I think what I love about it most is it's a series of little challenges to me. And the challenges are, okay, we, we threw you this little situation, try and make the best of it. And then you do what you can and you figure out, okay, okay, I think I have a handle on this. Then it says, okay, now we're doing this. And we're going to really throw something crazy at you and really warp the game in a way that, will, that might be permanent. Um, and now it's like, okay, now see what you can do. <laughs> and that is, that is intoxicating to me. That is so, that is so exciting. And it never seems to do the same thing to me twice. It, it's just, it keeps on revealing itself in a way that I, I, I say it, it makes me a little emotional how, how it just makes me happy that it exists. It's like a, it's like a present for board gamers to me. So that's my, that's my hyperbolic gushing about this game, but that's, that's how it is for me. Awesome. I, I love I love hearing people who are passionate about a thing and talk about their their, <laughs> their passion. It's great. So Let's make it sound a bit like Flux. <laughs> oh, oh. Sorry, oh. man. I'm oh, just man. I'm just I'll be over here playing Cosmic Encounter, Matt. Doesn't matter what you think. I'll have fun Matt, without you. <laughs> Matt Thor will not be joining us for season two of Cult of the Old. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> So what I wanted to ask, Nate, was when you're teaching Cosmic Encounter, because you've obviously taught quite a lot, 
do you restrict the alien powers that you sort of show people? Sometimes. I, so what, what I'm more concerned about is what is frustrating in your first game is if you have a power that just won't get used much because it's kind of negated by another one. Sure. I, I, I've, I've not seen, you know, it has the reputation as being a game. Well, if the, if the mix of powers is bad, then the game's just going to suck. I, that doesn't happen as often as you'd think. Sure. I think it, it more a problem. And this even happened in our game where me and another one of the players uh, were our powers. I don't think ever actually got used, but what was interesting was the, the negative space that surrounded those powers, the threat of using them impacted how everyone else played. And, and you have to be okay with that happening. Sometimes um, you have to know sometimes there's powers you don't want. Like when you're playing an eight player game, which you, you know, you need to know what you're getting into when you're playing an eight player game. But if you have a power that says offense only, which means you'll only be able to use it on your turn in an eight player game, you might not get more than one turn. And so that's, that's something yeah, you need point. to think about. That's, that's the kind of thing you just need to know. And so if I'm playing with a lot of people, I'll have some powers. I might, I, I might curate a, a, a group sometimes. I don't, I'm not too hung up on the red, yellow, green uh, separation. Cause I think sometimes having something a little more powerful can kind of people will be like, Oh, well, what do I do with that? And it's like, well, let's try this. And the game throws you that little curveball, that little challenge, and it says, okay, now figure out how to succeed. And um, so I, I, I'm not too worried. Something like the, the virus is very strong, and there are a lot of ways to deal with it, but uh, it's, not, it's not evident the first time you play. <laughs> not at all. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah I was just interested because you've got more experience teaching it than either, either Matt or I have. So I was just interested, like, sort of how you go about that, because I know some some teaching people sort of say like you know restrict things that kind of thing like some games do it themselves so like um like spare island which is one of my favorite co-ops has like a restricted mode for the first time right. you play through it so there's less less to worry about less 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 to concern yourself with so I was just i was just interested to know if you, you did that yourself yeah sometimes i do there was one other thing i was gonna just like say and, and i'll be interested to know what nate thinks about this but you know I, I do like cosmic encounter i rate it very highly um you know I, th I think i've got it in my top 20 you know about 20 in fairness <laughs> but but you know I, I do respect the game a lot have a good time with it um but i think the thing the reason for me that it's not higher is that e to this day i kind of still struggle with the encounter deck the way that it, it dictates who you fight uh, or, or have an encounter with, you know, I, I really because it, it is important to make that distinction in this game. There's a lot of fighting. Gen things do often come down to fighting, but the fact you can make a deal is is part of the fun. But I have seen a number of times, you know, often it feels as though that deck decides the game, pretty much, because if you get somebody, uh, you know, the right target the right person then you're going to close out that fifth planet because you know it's it's five planets isn't it you need to win i think we'll get called bases on five planets um so everyone can see when somebody's about to close that about to sit clinch the game uh, and they'll they'll throw their ally ships in accordingly um so who that final encounter if you like is between is often critically important depending on the powers depending on who's got what where um and I still feel I, I really like Ian's description of it as being a bit like a party game. It, it feels like a game where you're just there to have a good time. 
And while there are some strategic decision-making, the game is always pulling the rug out from underneath your feet with that and, and trying to unbalance you and keep you full of it. And yeah, sure, that's fun. Um, and it doesn't outstay its welcome. This is an important thing. Some games that do that and are really long, you know, they, they really get tiresome. Cosmic, you can play it an hour, 90 minutes often. Um, so it, it never feels too long. But there is a sense that while I am entertained, I am also to some extent a bit unsatisfied sometimes with the games that come out. I guess. Fair yeah, enough. I mean, uh, you know, there's it's it's hard to find a, a typical game of this. You, you you know what I mean? Like, and so I can. What what I would say to that is there's probably there's so many more factors going into that last encounter. But if you're in a position to win, and you and if you draw just the worst person you could have an encounter against, that does happen. Um, or or someone who's really. You, really good for you to have an encounter with uh i i actually think that's where the game that's that's where you kind of need the chaos the the flares the artifacts artifacts are like um one-time usage things they'll do something like cancel someone's alien power or uh cancel a card that's been played you kind of need to I, I think when you play it more and more people start saving those cards for those situations um and i don't know if that's always the case and that that makes it any more satisfying because what you're doing then is instead of deciding from one card you're deciding with another and if that's just not you know that's not that's not a satisfying thing for a lot of people and i think that's okay uh it's one of those things like people who just can't stand it when the game ends in a shared win i i know i had a friend of mine for years i played a bunch of games with him and he said it was like kissing your sister he just (laughs) hated it so much that the game would just end in a shared win but that's such a vital part of the game because the game is actually quite difficult with card draw. It's, it's like you get this hand of cards and you kind of just have to play it. And if you have a really bad hand, a shared win is often like that's, that's your best option because otherwise you're not going to get it just by playing cards that are good because you don't have any. And so it's one of those kind of situations where people will often go for a shared win in that last encounter and stuff like that. It just depends. But I can, but certainly that creates an impact. It definitely sets up the final encounters for uh, to turn out a certain way. And in the and I should say in the fantasy flight version, there are cards that do weird things, like uh, have a person have an encounter with the person who has the most colonies, or there's a wild card that does let you pick who you want to encounter. And so those are things that aren't aren't. I'm not. Those aren't in all the different editions, but that does that does change things quite a bit. So let's come away with a little bit from our own impressions of the game and talk about how Cosmic Encounter has influenced the current era of hobby board games. I've talked about it being such a juggernaut, such a sort of uh, such, a, such a game of cultural significance. How has it influenced the current genre of uh, current era of board games that we are experiencing right now? One thing I, I will point out: around the time Cosmic Encounter was reprinted, two thousand eight. I would say between 2007 and 2010, um, a lot of classic games were getting reprinted. A ton of them. Uh, a lot of games that hadn't been on the market in years and years and years were seeing new editions. And of those games, Cosmic Encounter is one of the few that has survived since that time. Um, it found an audience when a lot of these other games were frankly kind of nostalgia games and that that includes a lot of games i really enjoy stuff like dungeon quest uh talisman and talisman was also quite successful so maybe that's a bad example um 
the games like that, something like Merchant of Venus. I love Merchant of Venus. That's a really fun game, but it didn't really find a new audience because the people who loved the game already had a copy and it was, it was old fashioned, but Cosmic Encounter, it's a, there's just nothing else like it. And it's still, it felt really ahead of its time in 1970s. And I think now it's kind of at an age where I've had, I've had some really great games with young players, uh, people in their teens and twenties who seem to kind of grasp the uh the nebulous quality of the game really well in a way that sometimes eludes older players so i that's a that's pretty special when a game that's 50 years old now can still find those uh still find young players and bring people into the hobby still guess that was fancy fight games sort of the height of its powers when they were reprinting all those games had lots of sort of yeah still had lots of franchises on their books as well not quite the same as they are now where they're a bit more curtailed as a company they've yeah. lost a lot of but they're still they're still printing this one though yeah they're still printing cosmic account as one of their they're still printing new expansions games, for, sure. for it like it's yeah it's it's I clearly like earlier there's there was a new expansion just just last year last year yeah it's still clearly like when they have purged their books of a ton of other board games they're still doing this one yeah. and it's not licensed like it's not a licensed property like star wars or no. uh, something like that which is fine i love those games but that's that's pretty rare yeah, it is. This podcast has made me want to play it again. Actually, I haven't played it in a while. I, I want to break it out, I, and as I still want to play it with you, Nate, I'd still like like to uh, to try and get a game in with you just just to see, so I can see that um, sure experience. Mine. Yeah, you yeah, know, it'd be great. It'd be great fun. I'd really enjoy that. I, I don't have yeah. anything to add to that, really. I just think that I I found this really difficult thinking about this because I know we do the same segments uh, every time we record, and I knew this was coming up. And for me, Cosmic Encounter is just it's it's so seminal that it's just seeped into everything and and i find it really quite difficult to isolate and go yeah look that's cosmic encounter in another game oh yeah look that's come from cosmic encounter in another game because it's it's so ubiquitous and so powerful um, a little bit like catan in a way you know you, you it's very hard now um to look back and, and point oh yeah that's that's come from catan because it, it just revolutionized the way people thought about games and and i feel cosmic encounter is the same um and uh sometimes i think again that really fun Velvet Underground simile. Um, it, it's a game that inspired people to make games, even yeah. if part of the original is no longer there. So its fingerprints are just everywhere. I, I do wonder, I was just, just thinking about it while you, you guys were talking about it. I wonder if like the alien powers in it were one of the sort of precursors to asymmetric games that we see so popular now, things like Root. For instance, like that, that that influence seems heavy right now. Of the asymmetric games are just a big thing in the last sort of five, ten years. I do wonder if some of that comes from Cosmic Encounter, where you, the alien powers aren't asymmetric in any way or form, but they are. Everyone has a power and is very, very different. Every game plays very differently. It's got the sort of like the the genesis of that idea in there. I think there's there's two different kinds of asymmetric games, in, in my opinion, and the kind that's become popular, like Root, is 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 not the same as Cosmic Encounter. No, um, there is there is a style of asymmetric game where everybody essentially has their own rules, and the game kind of falls out of the bits where those rules in, intersect, if that makes sense. And Root is one of those. The kind of asymmetry that cosmic encounter has where everybody has a special thing that they can do a single special thing or, or a couple of special things they can do or their own deck you know or something like that is much older uh, and i think does go back to cosmic when you know i, I think that's i i'm 
struggling to think of a game that did much similar to that before the 70s not that I'm like you know an encyclopedia knowledge but we're, we're back in a time then and it's worth remembering this actually talking about how innovative it was when it came, came out you know this was the era when hex and counter war games were still king of the pile really in terms of the board game yeah. hobby that the, the hobby gaming as we know it now uh, was almost non-existent when did acquire come out was that 1962 62 okay um, oh well was well off with that one but, but even that was a um, i mean that was published by 3m by a giant corporation yeah <laughs> you yeah. know but the it is both those games you know were huge upsetters of the apple cart and and had huge impact and were hugely innovative. You know, it, it, that, that's a really good point though, Matt, because we like, this wasn't invented when there was a board game hobby, <laughs> you know, the idea, the hobby, as we understand what the hobby is, that wasn't a thing. It was just board games. And then it was war games. It was hex encounter war games, like you said, and it was just the other ones. <laughs> and it's, it's remarkable when you think about a game like cosmic encounter it helped was one of the the steps in inventing an actual hobby. I you know Ian you talk about asymmetrical games. I think that those games, a game like Root or the uh the coin games like Indian Abyss and stuff like that, those games are drawing much more from Dune. Uh which Dune's Dune's powers are far more complex and far more altering. Like your your experience as the Bene Gesserit's going to be really different from your experience as the Atreides, for example. Sure. And that's not Cosmic Encounter doesn't do that. And in fact, I actually sometimes think that the alien powers in Cosmic Encounter are a little overrated in their impact. And I only say that because when you're playing the game, each person might only use their power two or three times. Unless you have a particular like you were using the parasite, the parasite has tons of opportunity to use their powers. But I think what actually is much more stronger are all of the uh, artifacts all of the flares that are in the deck, um, the cards that get played to uh, destabilize the game further. That's probably a much stronger way. And there are very few games that have taken that to heart. Uh, one that I can think of is something like uh, I'm the Boss, which is a really fun Sid Saxon negotiation game that actually has a lot of that same thing where someone will play a card and it'll be like, boom, the whole game just changed. Now what are you going to do? And that's that's a bold move because a lot of gamers really hate that kind of stuff. So I, I, I think that the, the variable, variable player powers is probably how I'd phrase it rather than asymmetry, because I think it's not. Yeah, sure. It, you know, just something like uh, I'm trying, trying to think of a good example now. Um, whenever you something like Battlestar Galactica, uh, that was a, you know fun game uh you had a player and it could do certain things but you're you were trying to do the same thing everyone else was doing yeah and i think that's that's much closer to how uh or something like arkham horror or things like that i think you see it a lot in those big experience games where you play a character so would you recommend cosmic encounter to the current generation of gamers i mean it's still out there it's still very available it's available on tabletop simulator but it's easily available in retail would you recommend it? I mean, I, I know what Nate's answer is going to be. <laughs> it's going to be no, isn't it? He wants to keep it yeah. himself. That's why. That's yeah, right. It's, it's, it's <laughs> with me. Come over to my place. We'll play it. No, I, I, here's what I would say. I would say you owe it to yourself to try it out. But if the first game feels weird, as everyone else here can tell you, don't let that scare you because you should. You, you, you do need to give it a few tries before you can say, yes, I definitely don't like this. Because it's not going to show you everything after one game. It's just, it's too, 
too weird. It's too out there to do that. Yeah, I mean, for for me, like I, I bounced off it hard the first time I played it, but recent play of it with Nate and the other folks, yeah, really got me back into it. It's it's a really interesting game, and it is so iconic. There's very few. I always hesitate to say like there's games you should play as a critic, mm-hmm. or if you want to get into criticism of of a particular thing, like you should watch this film or see this piece of art or whatever. But there's definitely some things that are like that, and Cosmic Encounter feels kind of like that because it's it's been in the hobby for so long before the hobby was as we understand it now. And it's been around for so long. It'd be like a movie critic saying they haven't seen star Wars. Like, yeah, <laughs> like you don't, you don't have to like it, but it's weird that you're a critic and haven't seen it, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cause it's so, it's so big and, and it changed the industry so much. I mean, the dislike or like star Wars, the original film changed the nature of the film industry. Right. Yeah. It, like it, it, culturally and everything, it just changed things massively. So yeah, I, I think I think if you're if you're interested in what the hobby has to offer and its origins, I think Cosmic Encounter is a must play. I, I can only re-repeat what I said earlier, which is that you know, in forty years of gaming, I still haven't played anything quite like Cosmic Encounter. And on yeah. that basis alone, yeah, play it, check it out. Definitely, it's it's such an oddball, and it, it can be a lot of fun. So yeah, definitely recommend it. Well, thank you for listening, everyone, and we shall see you on future seasons of Cult of the Old. Thanks very much. Bye for now. Thanks very much for listening. Editing for the cast was done by me, Ian McAllister. The music for the cast was provided by my brother-in-law, David Dolliver, with my friend, Alistair McLeod. Our logo was created by Rachel Wines-Thrower. If you like what you've listened to, then the best way to help us out is by telling your friends about us and leave us a review and rating on your podcast host of choice. You'll also find the cast on thecultoftheold.com, where you can find writing about older games. You can follow the hosts on Twitter. I'm at the Giant Brain. Matt is at Matt Thra, that's M-A-T-T-T-H-R. Nate is at Sanildefanso, that's S-A-N-I-L-D-E-F-A-N-S-O. You can come and chat to the team and fellow game enthusiasts on our Discord, and there'll be an invite to that in the show notes. If you'd like to support us financially, you can do so through our Ko-Fi, and I'll put a link to that as well. You can send the cast an email about any of the games we've covered, should cover, or anything else really at cultoftheolduk at gmail.com. Bye for now.
Thank you.